Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. How many feeling good today? How many in good mood? Anybody in a good mood? Man, I'm in a good mood. Man, great worship today. Wow. Man, that, that girl on the end, wow. That's my daughter. <laughs> so she's in one of um, Let's see, Grinch. Now, I know a lot of us, the title of this message, I Hate Christmas, we're like, oh my goodness, I love Christmas. Yeah, most of us do, right? But there are Grinch sides of us in traffic, when we're shopping, when we're on the telephone with a marketer or telemarketer, you know, whatever. There are Grinch sides of us. And so this message series is not to promote that we hate Christmas. The, the, the message series is for those of us who really struggle in areas, and some of us really are Grinches um, in the sense of something happened in our past, something, uh, uh, you know, really catastrophic that really hurt and, and, and marked us for life. And so during this season, it's not the most wonderful time of the year for you. It's not the, the, the lights and the, and the gifts and the, and the carols and, and, you know, the celebration. It's like, oh my goodness, I just want this to be over because of some tragedy, because of something missing. Uh, in your life, you know, so all those things. Now, now one of the areas in which we become a Grinch here at Hope, so specifically, you know, when I give messages, I'm hoping that the churches around us hear them because Hope people, you already know the stuff that I'm doing. You already, you live it like perfectly. So it's mostly for First Baptist or, you know, Preston Trail or, or you know, Preston Wood for that matter. They need, they need what I'm saying. But in this one area, you know, I'm kidding, this one area that you and I sometimes are Grinches, it's in the RSVP for Christmas Eve. Sometimes you are Grinch. I've heard it. I've gotten emails. I can't believe we have to RSVP for Christmas at a church. This is ridiculous. Okay, you're a Grinch, and this series is for you. Here's what helps us. Christmas at Hope.net. It's so easy. Just pick a service you're going to go to. And I know it's like early, and you're like, I don't know what my tell my family. Okay, we'll just pray about it, and God will tell you. And then mark the service that you're going to be at. This helps us tremendously. And I'm making light of it, but it really does help us. And the reason it helps us is how many know if you're visiting a church, maybe, maybe you are the, a Christmas and Easter kind of person, but you never know what one Christmas service or one Easter service will change somebody's life. And when you come to church, and it's totally packed, and you have to go sit in an overflow area because the church didn't do its job. Does that make sense what I'm saying? That's all it does. We're just trying to make everybody have a good experience. It doesn't reserve you a spot. It doesn't give you special treatment. It just helps us help those, and you know, people matter to God, and if people matter to God, <clears throat> if people matter to God, they should matter to us, right? So that's why we do it. So no Grinches, okay? No emails, nothing like that. We're just going to say happy, 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 click the thing, and, and choose, choose the service. All right. Um, now, getting back to the series, this series is um, about those areas in which we struggle. And over the last few weeks, we've been to a, um, today, we're going we're gonna to continue that series. Last week, we talked about patience, and just that it's a transformation issue in our lives, the Holy Spirit, working with the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit, he produces uh, what Galatians 
calls, or Paul in Galatians calls fruit. Evidence. The, the, the evidence of the Spirit of God working in and through us and what that produces is love, joy, peace. And when that's not being produced, there's probably a transformation issue in, in your working and walking with the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about a traditional Advent theme, and that is hope. Now, hope is a very important word uh, to me, special. Uh, when we, in 1999, uh, were looking at, knowing that we were coming to Frisco, uh, to start a church and um, trying to figure out, I had a whole list of names on a sheet of paper, church titles or church names that, that, uh, that were on that uh, sheet, trying to figure out, you know, God, what should we call our, this church? And I'd never been a part of a church named Hope Fellowship. We didn't name it after somebody or, or, or some church. Uh, but the, the scripture that keep, uh, kept coming back to me was Jeremiah 29, 11. Now I understand the context of Jeremiah 29, 11. It is for a specific people, Israel, in a specific time. Totally get that. But the overarching principle of the verse, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, for a future and a hope. Well, that kept coming back to me. This, this, this word or... Uh, this title of hope for our church, like, man, I really, and so for me, what it means, and for us here at Hope, is that no matter where you've been and no matter what you've done or how many times you've been there and done that, there's always hope Amen. when you let God in the picture. There's always hope. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you've done. You really may have messed it up royally in your life, and you're sitting here today paying for the consequences of the decisions that you've made. Well, let me just say, there are consequences to decisions, right? We all know that. Whether you believe or follow Jesus or not, there are consequences to decisions. Even in those consequences, let me just help you, and, and, and my prayer for you today is that you would just open that heart and, and expand that heart, like, like the Grinch in that movie. His heart begins at the end of the thing, begins to expand. That's what I'm hoping for you and for me, that our hearts would just expand just a little bit that there would be hope no matter what's happened in our lives. Now, it's a very specific message, and it's very different. Uh, but I really believe that, that in this theme of hope, in our lives, and specifically in this season of our life, especially in our country, I believe that there is a temptation or a tendency to misplace our hope. All of us who are in this room, most of, let me say, I shouldn't say all of us, but most of us in this room understand that our hope is in him. Our hope is in the Lord. We, we all mentally, even heart, understand that. But I do think for believers, I'm not just talking about unbelievers, I'm talking about for all of us, there is this tendency or temptation to misplace our hope. There are many things that we can misplace our hope in. The two that I want to talk about today are misplaced hope in money and misplaced hope in this world. Um, I talked about this a few weeks ago. I'm not going to harp on this, but, but it's just a totally different angle. And, and I want you to stay with me because we live in an area 
you and I all know, we all know, we live in an area that is a really nice area. It's a new area. It's fast growing. When I moved here in 99, December 99, there were like 24, 25,000 people here. Now there's over 200 and some odd thousand. McKinney was 50,000. Now it's over 200,000. Prosper was what? I mean, so the whole area has just exponentially grown. And there's quite a bit of money here. Now, I'm going to hopefully settle our hearts in, in on something because money's not evil, okay? But, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. But misplaced hope in money and misplaced hope in this world. And I know those could be almost together, uh, but I'm going to separate them because I think there's some, there's some distinctions that I want to give in this Advent theme called hope. And specifically today, the temptation that we have to misplace our hope on a regular basis. The first one, misplaced hope in money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says this. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money. Now, this is a, a, a question mark for me. Because how many know we need money? You need money in our, in our culture, in our season. We need money to, to buy things, to eat, to, to, to live, and, and you know, all the things that we do. So I'm, I struggle with, um, what, what does this mean? But, but I think I'm going to answer it. I think there's a tension to manage here, not a problem to solve. We're not going to ever solve the problem of, oh, I don't need money. I'm not, I don't need money. I don't want any money. I'm just going to live off the land. Okay. Well, you better move somewhere where there's some animals, Right? Uh, or fish, and if you're an animal lover, I know that, okay, uh, then vegetables. There are a lot of vegetables, you know, in the garden. Okay, so some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Um, I mean, I think we all know that money does not solve our marriage issues, and money does not solve our peace issues. Money doesn't solve our addiction issues, right? So, so let's move on. Uh, just a few verses in verse 17, same chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those then. So Paul is telling Timothy, the pastor of a church that Paul started. Timothy was a, a helper. He was a mentor, uh, mentee of Paul. And so Timothy's pastoring this church, and in these letters to First and Second Timothy, in First and Second Timothy, he's instructing Timothy on how to lead. And one of the things he says as he closes out this first letter is, "Hey, command those who are wealthy or rich in this present world not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth." Now, guys, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not accusing anyone except all of us, because I think there's a tendency and a temptation to put our hope in our wealth, which is so uncertain. Guys, we all know. We've watched our retirement, uh, whatever you call it, uh, your, your 401k or your 403b or whatever you have. You watch those things go up and down. I've watched it over the, over the last few years. I mean, it was going up for a long time, and then it's kind of go, whoop, where? They go back up, whoop, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'll never be able to retire, right? Okay, so, which is so uncertain. So, command those who are wealthy, who are rich, to not be arrogant, 
to not put their hope in money, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for, now listen to this, I thought this was so interesting that Paul put this in there, for our enjoyment. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> you just said uh, those who are, who eager, or are eager for money, they're, they're gonna be in grief and they're gonna, they cause themselves to be shipwrecked faith-wise. And then you say that the money is given for us to enjoy, right? So I think there's a tension to manage between greed, putting our hope in money, and putting our hope in God, and enjoying the resources. Let me put it on the screen like this. Having money is an evil. Money having us is. Amen. When we are gripped with this overwhelming and one of the ways we know we are is when we're very stingy when our attitude towards money is and i've and i know i've said this many times over and over but when when our hands are closed where our whole life is is just tight when it comes to money you know those people around you who are very squeaky when it, when it comes to money does that make sense my dad my dad was squeaky his his what he had two nicknames flaco uh, which in Spanish is skinny, right? Am I right there? Hello? Somebody say yes? Okay, flaco. So, because he was very skinny. Um, and, and so, the, his because we were from the valley and, and most, uh, mostly Hispanics around us and he worked with Spanish, they called him flaco. And then his other nickname was squeaky. <laughs> he squeaks. I'm grateful he did because he paid for my college and he was so good to me but not anybody else. <laughs> you know, it was very squeaky. Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. He was a great guy. But anyway, some of us have this tendency that we don't want to be poor because we were raised that way. And my dad had that fear. At 13 years old, he was supporting, helping support his mom and his sisters and his little brother um, because he had to. Wasn't able to, he loved sports. Wasn't able to play baseball. He loved baseball. He wasn't able to play baseball, football, because he had to work. And I think in his, now he's never said this, okay? So I'm just gathering over the, the time in which I got to know my dad and passed away almost three years ago. But um, he didn't want to be poor. There's a fear attached to this. And many of us have that. I mean, we just, we're, we're, we're just, uh, we're, we, we put our hope in our resources and, um, and, we, and we, to neglect our hope in God, who is our provider. You, you, we don't even breathe without him. In him we live and move and have our being. So, so our provision, everything that you're able to do because you're good at this or that, because God gifted you to be a salesman. God gifted you to be a contractor. God gifted you to be a teacher. God gifted you to be administrator. God gifted you to be a leader. God gifted you to be in business. Whatever it is that you do. <clears throat> We have everything we have because of him. So he says, instruct those who are rich not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in their money, but to put their hope in God. But what do you do when you find yourself in seasons where, man, I think I'm, I put, if we're honest, some of us right now, we think, I think I put my hope in money. What do you do? Well, he gives us the answer. Skip on down to verse 18. Command them to do good then. Command them to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and, and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, listen to this, 
so that, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We live in an area that is so easy to put our hope in our stuff and in money. There is nothing wrong with money. It's good. It is a blessing from God. But when we refuse to honor him with it, when we refuse to be generous, when we refuse to, to, to be open-hearted and we let pride and arrogance come in, we begin to put our hope in it. And our hope is attached to our ability to make wealth, our ability to have retirement, our ability to do whatever, okay? So that's the first one. I think it's a big deal. And in this Advent season, I want to encourage us to think through how it is that we think about money. How important is it? Look at your register. And where is your money going? That's a good sign and indication if you're generous or not. And you're not only your money, but your good deeds. Okay, so that's the first one. Now, the second one is very interesting, and that is misplaced hope in this world. <clears throat> now, there's so many directions, but let me... Let me go to a passage in Isaiah. This is a Christmas passage. But I'm going to go to the chapter before. Chapter 9 of Isaiah is a Christmas passage. Unto us a child is born. Okay, so I've already given you that. But in chapter 8, it gives us the setup for chapter 9. Israel is in a state of rebellion in a state of being far removed from God and his will. And in chapter 8, here's what Isaiah says, verse number 11. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy. <clears throat> you know I love you, right? And I, I have friends that are like in the wormhole. And I'm not trying to take this out of context, but I would love to. Okay? <laughs> would love to. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, but the overarching principle is this. Don't live in fear or dread of what frightens them. Amen. Make the Lord of, the heavens arm, of, of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone, he being Jesus. So this is a prophecy of Jesus. He will be a stone that makes the people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured Preserve the teaching of God. Entrust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. And, and, and I and the children the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwells, dwells in his temple on Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God to guide, uh, for guidance? 
Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to, to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down to the earth, at the earth. But whatever, wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown into the darkness. Now that's bad, isn't it? I mean, that's, that is a horrible uh, state of being. But Isaiah has the word of the Lord. And he says, hey guys, you're thinking like the world thinks. You're thinking like everyone else thinks, and you're putting your hope in other things besides the Lord. You're putting your hope, and I'm going to use, he doesn't actually say this, but I'm, in, in reading this whole context, or the context of this passage, they're putting their hope in the world. They're putting their hope in other things, seeking mediums, think, seeking seers, you know. Maybe they can help us. Maybe they can give us guidance. Now, this is a prophecy 740 years before Jesus and Isaiah says, guys, there's something very wrong here. Now, I understand this is a prophecy for the specific people of Israel and Judah who had wandered away from their trust in God. But let me, if you'll allow me, let me help you see where I think the people of God in this season, especially in our country, have wandered away from their hope. And let me explain it like this. Two, two things. Misplaced hope in this world causes fear. Misplaced hope in this world causes panic. Misplaced hope in this world causes anxiety. Misplaced hope in this world causes all kinds of emotional, mental, heart, mind. It causes us to seek out other things for peace and for hope. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19 again says this. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums. And those who consult the spirits of the dead, with their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. Again, guys, some of us, some of us, I feel like we have lost our way because we are, we are looking to other things to bring us hope. We are looking to other things to, to make sure that we self preserve our lifestyle. We are looking to other things, thinking that if, if this person gets elected or that person gets elected or, or this thing happens or that thing happens, and I'm not saying those things aren't important, but what I am saying is I believe some of us, our hope has been hijacked by the system of this world. Amen. Not to say that some of those things aren't very, very important. But I think we put our trust in the wrong thing. And, and because of misplaced trust in this world, fear has gripped our hearts. And we are fearful for what's ahead. We are fearful 
for what may happen. We are fearful of some of the consequences of sin in our country, sin in our lives. And we walk in fear because our hope is somewhere else other than God. I know you'd be, I knew you'd be quiet. I know the election is coming. And we're all on pins and needles. Not to say it's not important. But I really do feel like, I'm not giving you a word from God. I'm just saying I really feel like some of our hope and our heart has been hijacked by the things of this world. And that misplaced hope causes us to be gripped with fear. And Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of not given us a spirit of fear. We're the people of God. Of all the people on the planet who should be at peace, who should be in faith, on stable ground, not worried, not in anxious, not, and I'm, when I say anxious, I'm talking not, not, not a, 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 a mental chemical thing. I'm talking about we're just anxious because we're so gripped with fear. Some of us. I mean, the other day, I, I, was, uh, I was meeting my friend Jeff, and I said, hey, I'll be at your office at whatever time. And uh, something had happened that delayed me. And so I w- went to my phone to text him to say, um, hey, I'm going to be late. Um, this happened. I had a good excuse. But this happened, and, and just I'll be there in, in a second. But there was some, for some reason, and I was in a place that I've always been, my phone said SOS at the top. I don't even know what that means. But I was like, oh, that's weird. So I restarted my phone like 15 times. And it kept coming back, SOS. For an hour, my phone was SOS. Now let me just tell you something. You know, all the talk of um, somebody cyber attacking our power grid. Have you ever thought about that? I'm like, man, I don't hunt. I don't fish. All I have is jackrabbits, or not jackrabbits, but I have little bunnies in my yard. And I think they're cute, right? I mean, I, I, I don't do any of those things. So I'm going to starve if the power grid goes out. And, and then for a split second, I mean, this was an hour. I was in Plano going to Frisco, and, and I was restarting, restarting, restarting. I'm like, what is going on here? Have they attacked our, our cellular service? Can I just tell you, it was weird. Couldn't make a call, couldn't text, couldn't do anything. A little bit of fear. I was like, okay, what's going on here? I wonder if anybody else. I was looking for my truck to just stop, <laughs> right? Some of us, I mean, I, I, listen, we're, okay, I'm gonna stop there because so we, you're, you're free to do whatever you wanna do in, in that realm. But I just, I just, I, I, I noticed for a second that fear had a little bit of fear had gripped me. Like, okay, what's going on here? Is there something bigger going on? And I'm like, man, wow, just that one little thing, because I had heard some different things about different things, you know, wormhole, wormhole, and I'm like, okay, okay, that's fear. That's the first one. Misplaced hope in this world causes fear. The second one, misplaced hope in this world, shadow missions are true mission. Let me let that sink in just for a second. 
misplaced hope in this world, shadow missions are true mission. Isaiah 8, 19. They will go from place to, uh, one place to another, weary and hungry, and because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but whatever they look, wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair because why? Their hope is found in something else. Their hope, and so anything and everything else in their life, any relationship with God and what God's called them to do and the purposes of God for Israel, for Judah, for us, are so far diminished because we are frantic because of the fear, because of the hope that's misplaced. Wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into darkness. So, so what I mean by shadow mission is fear and misplaced hope in fear and misplaced hope in this world causes something that's less important than our true mission to overshadow what our true mission. So many of us have shadow missions. Many of us have things that have overridden our purpose. In other words, what is our purpose? Well, all of our purpose, no matter what you do in a, for life, what, no matter what you do, our mission in life is to be the light of the world. Amen. That's our mission. If, you're a, if you work for the city, if you work for the school district, if you work for the healthcare industry, if you work for the government, if you work for this church, if you work for whatever, your, our mission is to be the light of the world. Go and make disciples, be the light, be salt. Okay, that's our mission. We all know that. But when we misplace our hope, what overshadows that mission is a shadow mission. And we become fixated on something that is less important than our true mission. And, and, and you've heard me say this before on social media, but our opinions matter more than our influence. That's a shadow mission. Our opinions matter more than our influence. Now, I was in a meeting um, a few months ago with our superintendent of schools here in Frisco. And we were meeting about something else, and he was... Uh, there's a little group of us, about eight of us, at our conference room here at, at our central office. And, and uh, he made a statement that blew me away. He was talking about the school district, and he said 42% of Frisco Independent School District is made up of the Indian population. People from Indian, for India, 42%. I was like, What? I knew that there, was, there has been a, a, an influx of people moving from India, moving from a lot of countries like California. And, and they, <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you. I love, okay, all right. So 42% and most of them are Hindu. I sat back in the chair, I didn't say anything, but I just sat back in the chair and I just thought, what? are we doing to reach that demographic? Hardest people on the planet to reach, in my opinion. Won't go into all those reasons, but, but I sat there and I wondered, okay, wow, hmm. So, a couple months ago, I'm sitting in a church service in Seattle 
outside of Seattle at a church, and the guest speaker, um, his, his, uh, he is from India, northern India, and that's more of southern India. There's a lot of Christian uh, influence. In northern India, it's most, mostly Hindu. And um, his grandfather, they were all Hindu, raised Hindu, and his grandfather was in a, some kind of school or university, and this was obviously years ago, but he was telling how his family came into Christianity. But he, he talked about his grandfather in, in a school with another uh, Indian who had been converted to Christianity. Now, again, this was years ago. And that person who had converted to Christianity, they were, they were the same age, and, and, and began to talk to him about Jesus and about Christianity and about the love of God and grace and, 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 and repentance and so forth, and totally rejected it. No, like, no, I'm, I'm not having anything to do with that. I am Hindu, and this is my family, and I don't want anything to do with that. Don't talk to me about it again. Okay, so they separate. But he says, before, before he goes back up to where he's living, the, the grandfather, he, he, the other Christian says, I'm going to pray for a miracle in your life. I'm going to pray that God reveals himself to you, and you cannot not believe that's where he left it. Well, guess what? That grandfather got some kind, I can't remember if it was a revelation, like a vision or a dream. But he had a dream of Jesus calling to him to come to him and believe. And because of that, it, it so impacted his life. That grandfather converted to Christianity and, and his, his parents and his family totally totally pushed him out and just said, we don't want anything to do. And to his dying day, never had any relationship with his parents from that day on. But he served the Lord and began serving the Lord. And then his son and his grandson, they pastor a church in Canada, big church. And this, this young man that I heard telling this story has preached the gospel around the world, telling his story of what God did in his family that, were, that was Hindu and said, God did a miracle. God gave them a dream. God gave them a vision, whatever it was. And it, it, it changed his life. Guys, can I just tell you, Hope Fellowship, would you begin to pray with me for our friends that are Hindu? And pray that God would reveal himself like never before. That God would give dreams, miracles. We build bridges. If you're, if you're in that neighborhood and, and you have neighbors, I have neighbors building bridges with them and becoming friends. One of our uh, former elders uh, stopped me last night and said, hey, hey, please talk about this because we have neighbors and we have built a bridge. They're coming to our Easter, I mean, our, our Christmas party and they're interested and, and, and it's like we're just becoming friends. So it's a both and. It's us not, go, not you know, going like this. Oh, I don't know them. I don't know what they're doing. And so I'm afraid of that. No, 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 no. Building bridges, but then praying for miracles. Building bridges, praying for God. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe God can do whatever he wants to do? It's been 10 years, and that has grown and grown. That population has grown. And what has gripped my heart is we're just now beginning to think about, hey, how can we reach that population with the gospel? And I just, it just makes me wonder. Listen, hear, hear me out. It just, I'm talking to me, all of us. I'm just, make, I'm just wondering if hope 
in this world has shadow missioned our true mission. Where some of us are more worried about who's going to be elected than who's living next door. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just saying I think it matters. Let me put it on the screen. Misplaced hope in this world causes us to fear things we shouldn't fear, and shadow missions are true mission. But, but, Isaiah 9, and here's, here's the good news. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Nephtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee, the Gentiles, will, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine, and you will enlarge the nation of Israel. What that means is instead of just Israel, he's going to graft in Gentiles. You and me, most of us, you that are Gentiles that were not raised Jewish, not in that lineage, but we are grafted in. He's going to enlarge the nation of Israel, and his people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of slavery, sin, and lift the heavy burden from their, from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government, it's peace. How many, how many look for that day when Jesus is the government? Right? When our hope is not here in America or in England or Australia or Africa or whatever, our hope is in him and his government. Well, peace will never end. He will rule fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Two things. The first advent, first advent helps us See the hope of the world. For unto us a child is born, and he's born in that manger, and he is the hope of the world. Second advent, his second coming, it's the hope of our lives. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope, our love, our faith is not of this world. We are not of this world, but we look forward to a day when the hope of glory arrives. And guys, let's think in this Advent season about where our hope is and has it been misplaced. When you came in, you received across all of our campuses a communion packet. Would you grab that? Looks like this. There's a top part and a bottom part. If you didn't receive one, would you just raise your hand across all of our campuses and online? We've already told you this week that we're going to do communion every week leading up to Christmas Eve. So Hopefully you've got some bread and crackers and juice or wine with you. Would you grab, raise your hand if you didn't receive one. And while, while we're being served, I'm going to light the Advent candle for hope. This is patience. And this is hope. Can we agree that some of us we placed our hope in things other than him. And maybe for you, that's money. Maybe for you, that's this world. Maybe for you, it's whatever. It, it, there's so many things. 
But can we this Advent season, as we close this service, remembering the hope of the world came. And the hope of the world is coming again. Let's settle our hearts. Let's settle our hearts. Let's not be a people of fear. Let's not be a people tied to our money. Let's not be a people tied to this world. Let's, let our, let's set our hope on the things that are above. His, his body, his blood. Let's take the bread together. Let's take the cup together. Lord, you are the hope of the world. Forgive us for allowing other things to fill that space. Forgive us for shadow missions. Forgive us for fear, greed, whatever it is. God, this Advent season, we want to place our hope and keep our hope in you. So help us. Help us to see that there are more for us than against us. Help us to see in the spiritual, not just the natural. Our hope is in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.